0: Uh, so, to this starting for the next seven weeks, we're going to preach on the I am. Jesus said in John, seven different times, I am. And this week is going to be spiritually foundational. In other words, when I grew up, as a Roman Catholic, I learned really good church disciplines, okay? I learned prayers to pray. I learned why we went to mass and different things. And then when I became a Christ follower in a relational way, and I say that because there's a lot of Roman Catholics that are Christ followers in a relational way as well. I wasn't at the time. And when I became a Christ follower in a relational way, I learned spiritual things that were uh, that were different. That man, I didn't realize I could maybe pray directly to Jesus and directly to God through Jesus, and I didn't have to do certain things. And I want to talk to you today about spiritual things that maybe some of you haven't learned, or maybe some of you haven't um, studied as much or as deep in the past. And so some of it may be old. To some of you, and some of it would be very new. So you may want to take some notes and it may seem a little more teachy, and yet we'll we'll preach at some points in times too to bring in maybe a level that the stories of the old testament are for our knowledge and our purpose. But they really happened there were there were men that the holy spirit dealt with peter said in days of old and they would prophesy or they would move supernaturally by faith that prophecy that supernatural faith that spiritual well-being is for us today because when the holy spirit was brought forth after salvation it was to draw all men unto god so we're glad that everybody can be saved right We're glad that grace is for everybody. We're glad that God is for everybody. And so by that, though, we become a spiritual being. And in becoming a spiritual being, there's different ways that we do transform. And so we're going to pray. I'm going to read out of the book of John in a moment, the sixth chapter. And we're going to read different verses that continue the story over a 24-hour period. Some verses we've, we've not, we're have we've we not not going to read just for time's sake, but it doesn't dilute or diminish the story that we're going to be reading. And so it's John, the sixth chapter. I'm going to pray, and we're going to talk about the loaves and fishes, and then we're going to talk about Jesus being the first I am, the bread of life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you so much for, Lord, salvation, for being a follower of you, for the people here that are searching and seeking and loving and being part of who you want them to be. I pray you open our hearts right now to receive all that you have for us, Lord, to make us those spiritual beings, Lord, that you that you created from the onset of time. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said... Amen, let's go to John, six chapter, verses uh, one and two that I think we jumped to five. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a huge crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, "Where are we to buy bread so that these people can eat?" And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to eat a while. A denarii was a day's worth of wages, by the way. One of the disciples, Andrew Peter, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? On the next day, after he fed the 5,000, so same 24 hour period, that remained on the other side, that day the crowd remained on the other side of the sea, saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come over here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, saying to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has sent his seal. Jesus said to him, Verse thirty-five: I am the bread of life. That's kind of that's our first I am in the series. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We've already prayed, so I'll dig in. I like the first part of this. We understand that Jesus is doing miracles in the land uh, around the Sea of Galilee. He's ministering. He's preaching. For the most part, Jesus would do miracles to draw attention so that he could preach of the kingdom of God, repentance, and the kingdom. Those are the two things that jesus always preached okay and those are the two things that as a church we should always talk about now listen we don't beat somebody into submission on how to repent we love them in grace so that they want to repent because god is so good the Holy Spirit draws people and the goodness of God brings them to repentance, okay? And the kingdom of God is what we'll kind of introduce today. The kingdom of God is not a far off land. The kingdom of God is right here. It's full of love and joy and peace. It's full of goodness and happiness. It's, it's um, one person told me this morning, I thought it was the coolest thing. He said, I can't stop coming to church. I thought that's just awesome. You know, I mean, it's just it's a it's a newness, it's a refreshing, it's a it's it's invigorating. It's, it's kind of a, it's a rush of the best kind. And it's addictive in a way that you can you just say, man, God is waiting there for me. But he's also waiting for you to wake up each morning. He's waiting for you in the middle of the night. He's waiting for you when you go to bed. God is always there for you, okay? And so Jesus is doing miracles, and he's coming to uh, the Sea of Galilee over Tiberias, and, and there's a massive crowd that's following him. And this is one of the few stories that's in all four Gospels And in most of the gospel, it says, and there's 5,000 men and women and children. And so Jesus is like, man, there's a large... Throng of people. Uh, they haven't eaten for a day or two. We need to feed them. Philip, what do we have to eat? And so, Philip, if you remember from last week, is a loner. He's not like he doesn't want to be around a lot of people. Uh, when Jesus came and, and got him and said, Follow me, he was sitting underneath a, a cypress tree. He was just kind of minding his own business. And so, Jesus is calling Philip out, and I can imagine it's making him so uncomfortable. It'd be like if I called some of you out and said, Hey, would you join me on the platform? Hey, Carly Hager, just come up here right now. And just be like what she just did right there. No. And she's she's sweating profusely and she's getting ready to run out the door. And and it it becomes one of those things like, no. You know, it's like if someone, if you're in a prophetic meeting and someone says, I got a word. Everybody in the world's like they got their head down. The bathrooms are full. Nobody wants that that word. Like, this guy might read me like a book, and my book ain't so good. And so, but Philip is looking at Jesus, and Jesus is saying, hey, do we have anything to eat for these guys? And Philip's looking out, and there's 5,000 men and women and children, and Philip is like, "Uh." Uh, and so Andrew, Peter's brother, I think he sees Philip's in a crisis situation, and he wants to help him out, but he doesn't really know what to say either, so he says, hey, Jesus, there is a boy here, and he's got two fish and five loaves, but like, what good is that? And Jesus is like, good. Hey, sit him down in groups of 50. So he's got 5,000 people sitting down in groups of 50, more like 20,000 people when you count women and children sitting around in groups of 50, and I can imagine Andrew then is thinking, what in the world did I get us into? Like, I'm going to be embarrassed for Jesus because he's just got these two loaves and five fish. There's no, there's no, He's not going to feed 20,000. How can he feed 20,000 people? But we forget the key word there is that Jesus wanted to test him because he knew what he was going to do. Like all's we have to do, church, is walk through the test. God already knows what he's going to do. All's we have to do is show up. Jesus knows what he's going to be about. All we have to do is get in line to where Jesus wants to work a miracle. And he'll even work the miracle through you because he wants to get the glory, honor, praise for his father. But he just wants somebody to be able to work that miracle through. And so they, they issue, you know, the rest of the story. There's 12 baskets of bread. And Jesus does one thing in this whole story that he does only three times in the whole Bible. And this is really critical to our thinking is he takes the bread and fish he blesses the bread and fish. He breaks the bread and fish, and then he gives it away. And there's a critical element to our Christ-like walk when we do this is that we always want to be taken in by Christ. Like he knows our past, he knows our present, he even knows our future, he knows what we're like, he knows maybe our bad days, he knows that when we're a little ornery, or just a little mean or just a little agitated, maybe when we walk in a little bit of doubt or fear or unbelief, he takes us anyways, and then he he blesses us. And come on, how many just love to be blessed by God? Let's face it. I mean, God's blessings are amazing, right? He gives you love. He gives you joy. He gives you peace. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. He, he gives you maybe tangible blessing where you can, man, I didn't expect that job, but I got it anyways, or I didn't. I just, God has just dropped favor in my lap. We want to be blessed. And then yet sometimes the Lord will break us and that's okay too. We get a little broken, like he breaks off a little bit of our past that maybe we didn't like, and that's called mercy and grace and forgiveness, and even though other people want to remind you of your past, God never will. It's forgiven, it's forgotten, and it's, it's, we're moving on. And so he breaks that away from us. But even then, sometimes if we lose a loved one in our life, there's a little brokenness in us, right? There's, there's a little hurt in us. And yet that brokenness, if you talk to some of the weightlifters in, in the room, uh, we have a lot of CrossFitters in our first service, they will say the, the muscle has to break down, and then it gets built back up, okay? There's a breakdown. And so when God does break us down, we got some athletes on the front row here too, Sorry. I forgot about you guys. (laughs) There's one in every crowd. But anyways... uh... (laughs) And so the muscle has to break down, and then it gets built back up. So sometimes God has to break us down so he can build us back up, okay? And it get, allows us a sense of humility. Everything that we walk through in life is a test, okay? We were scorned by a person. We had a bad experience by a group of people. We had this or that. There's a test on how God maybe allowed that, maybe didn't cause it because he doesn't tempt anybody, but he does test us. something that happens. He wants to see how we're going to react to that. Hey, how's my warrior going to act to this one? Is that warrior who just lost her husband, are they going to start a Bible study at 84, or are they just going to shrivel up and and die? Either one would be okay. Trust me on that because it's still a warrior at 84, but some people are just going to step up. up. You know, the cream always rises to the top. We have some great people in the church that bring us a, a glass thing of milk every week, and if you don't shake that thing or drink it for day two, that starts to cream up on the top. The cream will rise that's a real deal when you're a follower of jesus christ and something happens there may be a test there and that test is simply this i'm going to put my faith my hope my trust my belief and my confidence in the lordship of jesus christ because he knows best And so, that's what was taking place here. It was simply a test. And I don't know if Philip and Andrew completely passed the test or not, but there's things that are happening in this scenario. And Jesus steps forward at the end of that 24-hour period and says, I am the bread of life. Don't follow for these reasons. Follow for this reason. And so, we're going to talk to you this morning about that bread of life being a supernatural, spiritual thing that we would say, number one, fourth dimensional dimensional thinking. We look at things in three-dimensional terms. We look at things that I'm walking on a floor. That's a, that's a dimension. I'm, I see the walls. That's another dimension. There's a, a ceiling there. That's a third dimension. So one, two, three different dimensions. In fact, when I was younger, my one of my brothers stopped, told me or showed me how to, to draw a three-dimensional box. So we start first with a square on a piece of paper. You can just have a square. It's just, you just draw a square, flat sheet of paper, and it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's pretty one-dimensional. And sometimes our Christianity, we're one-dimensional. We're like, okay, I love Jesus and I'm I'm a Christ follower or I tried God and he didn't do anything for me and maybe it was a test God had for you just to get you a little bit closer. You decided to get a little bit further away and we've all been told by those who have maybe graduated in the Lord and gone home or have served longer than us, if you don't pass that test the first time you're most certainly going to be taking it again and again and again and again. And so then the second square is an overlap square. There's, there's two squares, and you, make, uh, you put one square over the over, and this is kind of us walking and growing in, in, our, in our Christ, in, in Jesus, in our, in our fellowship. And so now, there's, now I realize I'm not in this alone. This is, this is like I'm that first square, this is me, but now God walks alongside me. Maybe it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know the Spirit of God walks inside of us. He invigorates us to become a new creature in Christ we know the same uh, spirit that rose Christ from the grave now dwells within inside of us and so now we we're, we're we're doing pretty good but we're still just in a two dimensional format and then if you draw lines on these squares from corner to corner to corner to corner, to corner it becomes a full on box and it becomes a, th- a, th- a three dimensional box well we become three dimensional beings because now we're walking it out in Christ and we're walking it out with family maybe it's a physical family maybe it's a spiritual family or we would say community of believers or someone that you someone brought you because they loved you today or someone brought you because they prayed for you or someone you're gonna invite someone over the Easter season just because you know like man I just want them to get connected with Jesus and realize that uh, church isn't a bunch of you don't you can't do this you can't do that you can't do this you can't do that it's that I don't want to do some things because I don't want to harm my relationship with Jesus Christ I want to live full-on free. like I don't want to do things that would hurt my relationship with my wife. I want to make my marriage good and healthy. I, want to, I don't want to hurt a relationship with, with my kids. So we're walking then in a three-dimensional atmosphere, which is good, and it's the plan of God. The only problem is God wants us into a fourth, fourth dimension spiritually, and we can't always see the fourth dimension. That's a spiritual thing. You have a spiritual person inside of you that was dead, And when Jesus came, he came to awaken that spiritual person. That's why we say born again. That's why... Uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, "A man must be born again." Now, maybe the church world misused that term a little bit in the 80s and 90s. I don't know. It's biblical, so we should be able to say "born again." What we really mean is that spirit needs to come alive. It needs to become. It needs to be awakened. And once it's awakened, you're a spiritual being. Paul says, "There's a renewing then of our mind," and so otherwise we start to think differently. And this is why we call it. Fourth dimensional thinking. the The Bible says, and don't go to the scripture, Anthony. The Bible says that in in Genesis three, uh, I think eight and nine, that the voice of the Lord visited Adam and Eve in the garden daily. In fact, just think about that for a second, because this is always the purpose of Jesus is to get us back to the origin. Okay, Let, let's go to Genesis one uh twenty six seven eight. And God said, Let us make man in our image, okay? I'm I'm jumping ahead, but I want to get you somewhere. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let's let's just go there. Now let's go to number two, our second point, Anthony, because I think that'll that'll help. We are made in the image of God or the imagination of God. So we're made in God's likeness. Because we were made in God's likeness, we have this fourth dimension spiritual attitude or atmosphere that we're walking in. When I'm walking in a spiritual, now I'm not so super spiritual that I'm no earthly good, Paul says, and I'm, no, I'm not so super earthly that I'm no spiritual good. So one, if I'm operating in the fourth dimension, which I'll continue to, explain, as this day goes on, verses, are not verses, but with now the image of God. So when man was created, he was created in the imagination of God. Let us make man in our image. Let's go to verse 28 uh, Genesis 1. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish, over the birds and over a living thing. And so he gives us then the power because of the imagination that he has and the image that he has. So the uh, Bible says in John, no man hath seen God at any time. Only the man who grew in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him that man Christ Jesus, and Jesus is speaking that. So, but then Jesus also said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are the same. We are in each other. So, when we operate in a fourth dimension type of attitude, we're operating in a spiritual mindset, a spiritual thought process that says, wait a second, if, if I want to be, if I want to walk in that fourth dimension, if I want to be Christ-like. Now, what happened in the garden is that Adam and Eve fell. The Bible says you can eat from any tree janie takes Selah out to shop sometimes and every now and then she'll say poppy says you can have anything you want and 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 Selah will say whatever what, e- what? She, for a while she had a hard time with her vs they sound like a b whatever I want whatever you want you can have honey whatever you want and and sailor understands that the cart's not full there's more there's more room in it and she tells she tells Grammy, "You better get another car. This is going to be a fun day." And so one day she took a picture, and I I should that I should not have said anything you want, everything you want. The the living room was just full, everything little Salem wanted. So our daughter Jill in Omaha says, "Cam says the same thing. He you ever Cam wants." My point is this: they could eat from any tree in the bio, in the in the garden that they wanted. There was just one tree they had to stay away from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. My belief is because not only would that tree kill them spiritually, that tree would cause them just to operate in the first three dimensions. That would take away the fourth dimension. So because it took away the fourth dimension, now they're looking at weeds, they're looking at, Uh, pain, suffering. They're looking at sweat on the brow. They're looking at all these things that they didn't have because they were fourth dimensional creatures. And God's point of sending Jesus was to restore fellowship, but to give this access again into that fourth dimension of Christianity that so many of us don't use. We, 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 we take everything like this is as good as it's going to get. It's not going to get any better. Than that. God starts in, in, uh, in Abraham. We'll, we'll, we'll go to point three. We need to return to garden thinking All right, so write that down. In the garden before the fall, the do with the Lord, the morning of the Lord, the voice of the Lord every day walked and talked to Adam and Eve. Every day. Until they fell. And then they hid. Why Why did they hide? They, they started to realize and they started to look at circumstances around them. When we look at circumstances around us, we start to become those circumstances. When we start to speak to things around us, we become those things. God wants us to speak above those things that are around us. He wants to call those things that aren't as though they were. He wants us to, to, to be a blessing into the realm. So he takes a man named Abram, who's 75 years old at the time, and says, Abram, I need you to leave. I know you're a good man. You love God. You love me. Now I need you to leave everything behind. He makes Abraham leave, and he changes his name to Abraham. He makes Abraham leave everything he knows because he doesn't want him to have situational thinking. Oh, I, I can only work for X amount of dollars an hour, or I only can, but God maybe wants you to start a business. God maybe wants you to start a ministry. God maybe wants you to, 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 to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He says, Abraham, move on from this. Now start walking. I'll tell you of the place that you should go. And Abraham becomes a father of faith. One day, it, God takes Abraham out in Genesis the 15th chapter, and I think we have that verse up there. And he says, He brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven, the number of Stars, if you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. In other words, Abraham, look at all the stars in the sky. Would you look at everything that's up there? And Abraham looks, he says, This is how your family will be. Now, grab this for a second. Abraham is over 75 years old at the time, all right? He's an older man, all right? He's, he's not able to have kids at that time, and yet God is saying this is the, he wants to get Abraham into a fourth dimension mindset, a spiritual way of thinking that says, wait a second, my body may say no, the people in the town may say no, th- this group of people may say no, but God says yes. And whenever God says yes, that's the trump card. That, that means God. if God's with you, who can be against you? There's not a devil in hell that will be against you if God's for you. In other words, there's not a devil in hell that can do anything to you if God is for you. There may be a test. There may be a test involved. And we, we look at Abraham and we see that he's a father then of many nations. He's the father of at least three different religious groups, organizations. He's the, he's the father of uh, Isaac, of Ishmael. He, he has the children with Keturah later on in, in Genesis, the uh, 25th chapter. And he sends those kids to the east. And so he's, he's, he's learning how he operates in this realm that says, wait a second, I can be this spiritual creature. Now again, if you're really new in Christ, this may sound really new and foreign to you. My challenge is this, that you don't always have to look and abide by the things that are around you, things that we touch. If you look at spiritual things, okay, the Holy Spirit's for me, Jesus is for me, God is for me, I have access to a community of believers in my church, and the Bible says Jesus speaking, if two or three shall gather together in my name, there will they be. If those same two or three lay their hands on a sick person, he'll be healed in Jesus' name. This is part of the test that Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I want you to know that we don't search after those things that will perish. We search after those things that are in the spirit realm. Moses was the same way in Exodus, the third chapter. Moses sees a burning bush, but the bush isn't going to be consumed. It's not a big deal that the bush was on fire. It's a big deal that the bush wasn't wasn't burning up. It was just it was on fire, but not burning up. And so the now the bush is talking to him. This is this is fourth dimensional Christianity right here. All of a sudden, the bush is on fire, and it's talking to him. Moses, come here. Take your feet, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And so Moses comes up. He says, "I need you to go deliver my people from Egypt. I've heard their prayers and their mourning come up before me. I heard that they're 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 uh, uh, they're they're tired of the slavery. And that just happens sometimes when people are deep in sin and they're tired of just being the bondage of sin. God, I'm so tired. God wants to free them up. As so Moses has five different excuses. He says, wait a second, God. In Exodus 3, 4, and 5, he says, I'm not adequate. I'm not the right guy. I don't know how, enough. I've I'm not gone to Bible school. I don't, I don't know what, what these guys are doing. I can't lead a small group. I stutter. I, I, I'm not as eloquent. If you hear me preach and you hear Marcus preach, you'll know that Marcus is much more polished than I am. He never stutters. He never stammers. Jane reminds me of that at least once a month. Did you ever notice how Marcus doesn't stutter? Yeah, honey. You told me that last month, the month before, and a year ago. I just, that's me. I'm Moses. I stutter. I'm also the most humble person in the world, too, but that's just what Moses said, <laughs> Moses said, I'm a joke, or I'm paraphrasing. I, I'm not, I can't do that. And then he says, I, I just, God, I can't do it. I won't. But here's what God's response is each time. Moses said, I'm not adequate. God says, you don't have to be, I am. Yes. Moses said, I don't know enough. God says, you don't have to, I do. And this is true for people in this house and people watching online today. Moses said, I stutter. And you say, Pastor Mark does too. But God says, I don't. My word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My word is true. Heaven and earth will melt away, but my, my word shall never melt away. Moses said, I'm a joke. Do you know my past, God? And God says, that you might be, but I'm not. My past is good. And now that I've covered you with my blood, your past is good as well. And then Moses just frankly says, I can't do it. And God says, you can't, but I can. And Paul reiterates and says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Like Moses, sometimes we're filled with excuses. Like Moses, sometimes we just don't know how to act. But every excuse that we have, God has a positive response. And I would say this, that's third-dimensional thinking. The reason I can't do something, fourth-dimensional thinking is, okay, God, maybe I can't do it. I am a young, at one time I was a young Roman Catholic boy who really didn't know a whole lot of stuff, and God laid some spiritual stuff on me because he had a plan for my life. If he had a plan for my life, he has a plan for your life as well. We just walk it out in faith. You got to get into that fourth dimension. And God will test you. There will be things in your life. David's another one. David is an an amazing example of four-dimensional thinking. In the scriptures, David's anointed king. Saul Saul is the king. David's anointed the new king. And there's a giant in the land named Goliath. So Goliath actually has four brothers. People want to know why he picked up five stones when he went and fought Goliath. I think because he had four brothers, one for each of them. I'm just going to take all these guys down. He needed help from Eleazar for for the last one. Every now and then you might need help from another believer in church. You don't have to do this thing alone. You do not have to walk this thing alone. So David's dad, Jesse, says, hey, take some bread and cheese down to your brothers. They're fighting Goliath. And He actually goes down there, and he thinks they're actually fighting Goliath, only they're a little bit scared. They're not fighting him. Goliath is between 9 and 13 feet tall, and he weighs about 600 pounds. That's a big dude. And his spear alone weighs 250 pounds. And he comes out, and he makes fun of God, and he makes fun of the Israelites every single day. And David's like, to his brothers, what's going on? He thought maybe one of them, Eleazar or Shama or Abinadab, he thought maybe one of them would have killed him by now. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing down here? His older brother said, why aren't you with those few little sheep you should be tending? And dad wanted me to bring you a cheese sandwich. Blame it on him. Goes to McDonald's drive-thru, gets a cheeseburger. Has to wait 20 minutes for it, but he gives it. I'm, I'm <laughs> just teasing, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just don't make it a special. Get whatever they got on the, you'll be fine. He takes cheese down there and bread. And and Abinadab is mad. What are you doing here? Because he knows he's anointed king, and he wanted to make sure that he was king. Satan knows that you are a high priesthood in the throne of God, and he is mad at you, and he wants to put you down. He wants to shut you up, and he wants to make you think that you are a third-dimensional Christian when God has all of heaven open for you to pray and watch your prayers come down from the holiest of holies god is on your side he's not mad at you he loves you he cares for you he wants to see you whole healed delivered and set free and david's like wait a second i thought he'd been dead by now that's how much confidence he had in his brothers that's how much faith he had in god and so he goes back and tells saul i can kill him and david's like 5 foot 9 145 pounds not a big guy. And then Saul's 6'5 and 240, and the giant Goliath is like 9 feet, between 9 and 13 feet. So Saul says, well, I don't know. Have you ever gotten in a fight before? David said, well, yeah, I killed a bear, I killed a lion, I killed anything that got in the way of my sheep. I'm a bad dude, all five nine 945 pounds of them, bad dude. And so Saul says, okay, but if you're going to fight, go ahead and put my armor on. I'm thinking, why in the world doesn't Saul put his own armor on and go fight the guy? And I think that's true at the church sometimes. We're trying to give our armor off, our responsibility off to other people. Well, the government should take care of them. Well, the hospital should take care of them. Well, we should just get them healed in the name of Jesus. They don't have to go to the hospital. We should just free them up. They don't have to go to the drug clinic. We should just make sure that we're praying. But we're always making sure that somebody else is doing it. So then we make sure the politicians are doing our work or Hollywood's doing our work. Church, God wants you to do his work. He's not waiting for somebody else to do his work. He's already called each of us to do his work. Amen? And so David's like, I'm going to try the armor on, but it ain't going to fit. He puts the armor on. You've seen the little pictures in uh, the children's Sunday school. And uh, David's standing there, and got all this armor on. I, I can't do it. I, I, can't, I can't fight with your armor. I have to fight with my armor. And that is true, too. Stop trying to wear somebody else's armor. You wear the armor that God has given you. You fight the battles that God has given you. You get delivered from what God needs to deliver you from. And so David goes out. Let's read that scripture uh, out of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, if we can. And the Philistine the Philistine's mad. He's arrogant. He's he's fighting. He says, hey, David, you think I'm a dog? You come with me in sticks? And he curses David. And he cursed David's gods. And Philistine said to David, you come near me and I'll, I'll kill you. I'll, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with that stupid javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of hosts, the name of God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now David's going into fourth dimension Christianity. He's a fourth dimension servant of God. He's, He's not walking with just a sling and stones. He's not waiting on weapons. He's simply saying, wait a second, I'm taking this personal. Now you're talking about God. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and the spear, third dimensional stuff. I'm relying on things that I can control. I'm relying on things that I have. I'm relying on my job. I'm relying on my 401K. I'm relying on my businesses. I'm relying on my thing. Th- and those are all good. I'm not knocking them. And you should put away and you should invest. and you should be, But you need to know that unless you rely fully on the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of all glory, will nothing work out the way that you had hoped it would. For the battle, what, is the Lord's and he will give it into your hand. That's the whole crux right here, church, when we walk through this thing. And we look at David and how he, fourth dimensional he got. It's it's total David and Goliath. You'll hear it in the Super Bowl. Well, Cincinnati's they're they're kind of a they're kind of a David, and the Rams they're kind of a Goliath, and nobody expected Joe Burrow to be there, and everybody expected, you know, these guys, and all these things, and everything takes place, and all of a sudden we get to where we're starting to think in a three-dimensional realm. Yeah, you know it's not gonna work out. The stock market is dipping, gas prices are high, this guy's not getting done. I need this guy, and we're starting to go back and forth, and we, we need to wipe all that out and say, wait a second, that's just three-dimensional stuff. I don't need to fight with Saul's armor. I got the hand of God on my life, and so do you. Come on backwards, team. Last but not least, and I want, I want to teach you this, is the apostolic anointing. We need to walk in the apostolic anointing in our life. What is that? Well, remember when Jesus, after he called his disciples, he anointed them, and then he sent them out two by two. In fact, he did it to 70 people, 70 plus people. And they went out, and they were watching people get healed, delivered, set free, dead people were coming alive. And they ran back to Jesus a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months later and said, even the demons are subject to you in our name or to, to us in your name, and it was like Jesus said, yes, that's true, but wait a second, don't, don't forget the bigger thing. The bigger picture is your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's, that's the big picture here so so what is what is he saying well he's saying that we have an, an anointing a fourth dimension anointing that if we ask for god to work through us that then he gives us a spiritual understanding now it could be wisdom it could be knowledge it could be understanding it could be strength it could be might it could be an awesome reverence of God it could be a holy fear it could be it could be laying our hands on the sick and they could recover in fact uh 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter says seek after these things seek seek after being a disciple seek after being an apostle seek after being a teacher seek after being an evangelist seek after being uh, a miracle worker seek, but most of all seek the higher gifts the higher gifts are explained this way that the thing that God has for you and wants for you that's what you need to run after your gift may look different than somebody else's gift, but your troubles may be the same. Stand with me this morning where you are. I'm gonna give you a, a real capstone of what, of what we're talking about. Here, here it is in a nutshell. One, Jesus says, some are chasing me for the, for the bread that i provided for them. Well, that's salvation, and salvation is good. You can't get to heaven without being saved, without being a Christ follower, without being born again, without that spiritual person raising up inside of you. It's impossible. And then he says, some people chase me for the signs and wonders that he created that food out of two fish and five loaves. Well, that, we know that, the, that that is attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit that we, we still believe in miracles today. We believe there's no been no cessation of, of spiritual giftings and spiritual beliefs, that the power of God is up. Because why? Because we think in the fourth dimensional realm, because we now became spiritual beings. But Jesus said, some search for that, the, the bread that I feed, some search because I multiply the bread, but you need to search because I am the bread of life. I am. I am so that you can be. See, when Jesus quotes, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I want you in full relationship with me. Even going back to Moses, when he listed all the reasons he couldn't, God says, Moses, put your hand in your your vesture there and take it out. It was full of leprosy. Put it back in, take it out again. It was clean. He said, take your staff and throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. There was a snake, a serpent. He He said, pick it up. Pick that serpent up. It became a staff again. God was showing Moses that whatever you need for your time, He is able to equip you with that. You're, 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 you're okay. Well, you don't need to throw your stick down and it's gonna turn it, probably won't turn, never turn into a snake. But you might open the checkbook and not find enough in there, and God will make a way where there seems to be none. You may you may pray for someone that needs Jesus Christ, and 20 years later they show up at church, throwing their hands up and say, Man, I love God. I'll pray for you forever. I didn't think you'd ever get saved. Why did you pray? (laughs) See, church, when we become fourth-dimensional Christians and not just third-dimensional kind that only believe what we can touch, only believe what we can see, only believe what we can hear, and we accept whatever test it is that God places in front of us, you'll pacify in colors because God is not about the test. He's about the victory, but He knows we all have to pass the test. So, I'm gonna ask every person here, if you will, just raise your hands up for a second. Just like this. I'm gonna pray an apostolic prayer over you. And in the middle of the next song, we're gonna open some prayer teams up here. Janie's gonna open the altars. If you want to come up and have special prayer, come up and have a special prayer. But I want to pray an apostolic anointing over you today. That whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever is, is in that mist, whatever test it looks like, that you're gonna pass. You're gonna be like, you're gonna be like David and say, this battle's not mine, this battle is God's. I've already won. All I have to do is throw the stone. Father, I pray right now for every hand that's lifted up every test that's taking place, every anointing that's here, well, that you send out your people two by two, Father, Lord, and let them lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Let them walk in the victory and the joy of the Lord because they know it's their strength in you. Father, we speak, oh God, Lord, that deaf ears would open and blind eyes would see and lame legs would walk. And we speak, Father, Lord, that a Holy Spirit revival would take place in the middle of each and every one of us, that we would move from the first, second, and third dimension into a fourth dimension of belief that we know our faith is in you, Father. Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die, that we could live, and that spirit within us, it arises, it, it awakens, it comes up, Father. So I a pray a Holy, uh, Holy Spirit apostolic anointing over every person here, Lord, that they would just receive it, Lord, and they would pray into it, they would walk into it, and they would believe into it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship. God bless you this morning.
1: Those to your side, so heaven is real and death. so so they can hear your prayer, and if you just want to step on out and just come on up and let us just pray for you this morning, and whatever your need is before we go home, we're just going to take a moment, and we just want to pray with you if you have a need. i
2: hearing for any of our ministries here at grace church we need your help <laughs> we can't do it by ourselves so um, please sign up <laughs> um, but yeah there's tables out there with all of the info with people who will be standing there to give you more info if you have questions so um, yeah let me just close this in prayer dear jesus thank you for this day thank you for each and every person who came out today god i pray that we would um go out this week god Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.